Children can be dismissed for children's church. The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. We're still in Ephesians, but we're kind of transitioning from, in a sense, the the focus on these anchors of our souls that are what God has done in our lives individually to the church and what God is doing with us corporately. And um, to do that, we're looking at um, the church as God's home renovation project. You say, well, why God's home renovation project? Why, why put the church in that light? Um, I don't know about you, but Home renovation projects are interesting things to take on, are they not? Um, we just, if some of you are on Facebook, my wife, she posted that we finished painting our house. It was way more work than we thought it was, in a sense. Uh, and, and home renovations projects are like that, right? They start off as, oh, I can do this. And then it turns into, oh, I don't think I can do this, but I'm already in, you know. And uh, how am I going to get out if I just keep going forward, really, right? And uh, it, it takes more work and maybe sometimes more money than we think, uh, more time than we think. But the goal, whole goal, right, is to, is to have something that's either more functional or more beautiful or more sense of home about the place, right? And in Ephesians chapter 2, at the end of Ephesians chapter 2, when he's talking about the church, he says that uh, that the church is, in a sense, God's dwelling place. That God is, God is, in a sense, not satisfied with heaven, but, is, but he, he wants to create a heaven and earth where he can dwell. And his focus is not so much on, okay, I'm going to put mountains over here, and I'm going to put valleys over here, and here's where I'm going to grow food. It's on the people that he delights to live with and live among. And when we see that in Revelation, you see that he has, he has called the people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Why? To, to, be, to live with him, to be their God, and for them to be his people. And uh, when we think of it in those terms, it, it seems a little overwhelming. It seems a little bit like, why? Why us and why this path? And, and so we're going to look this morning at, at the start of that. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, uh, we say, well, why start there? Because the church really doesn't get fully mentioned until Ephesians chapter 2. Well, he mentions the church here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And it seems almost like a throwaway phrase. Now, there's no throwaway phrases in the Bible, right? But, but we understand Paul often kind of gets uh, effulsive in his praise of Christ. And maybe it's, and sometimes he just breaks into praise, which is its own purpose, and you say, well, there's just a phrase about the, the praising Christ, praising God and who, what he's doing in our lives. But in this particular case, you have Ephesians 1.23, where he talks about the church, it says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then at the end of talking about the church, when he prays for the church, he puts it this way, wrong direction, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So there's this metaphor for filling and fullness that's present at the beginning of talking about the church and at the end of the talking about the church. So I think it's more important than just we're praising God for filling us in some way. 
It has, there's a, there's a more important metaphor or a more important concept that we need to understand if we're going to really grasp what the church is and the dwelling place that we are supposed to be for God. And so going back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, basically, I'm gonna, with three points, I'm asking these three questions. What does it mean to be filled? What is, what's the metaphor? What's he talking about here? What does it mean for Christ to fill all in all? And then what does it mean for us to be the fullness of Christ who fills all in all? And so we're going to look at those three questions this morning as we, as we think this through together and consider, first of all, that filling is creation's organizing, purposing, and glorifying together. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 1. So if you can understand why it may be an important concept of filling... If it, if it goes all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 1, 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Again, you're like, well, he just talked about filling the earth, just populating the earth. Well, no, it's more than that, actually, because, again, you look at creation. And the whole, the whole narrative in in Genesis chapter 1 is God forming and then filling. Let me, just, let me show you that here. God, in creation, in Genesis chapter 1, right, the, what's the first day? He forms the heaven and the earth, right? Day 2, he forms the dry land and the sea. He separates the two of them. He creates this space. He's like, he shapes it, okay? Then he forms the dry land with plants. There's this, this forming. He's taking chaos and making order out of it. But then Day four, he goes back to the heavens, and he fills the heavens, right, with the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the galaxies, okay, okay, and then he fills the atmosphere in day five, what, with, and the seas with birds and with fish in day five, and then in day six, again, he fills the land with animals, right, and then he's like, now the it's not quite complete yet. I'm going to make man in my image, in my likeness, to, to rule over this world that I've made. He's going to be, in a sense, this co-ruler, this, this, this ruler that I've made to, to rule over this, to, to make it function well. And then, and then we, he says in Genesis 128, fill the earth. And we get a better picture of what he's talking about in Genesis 2 because it says that when God made man, he made him in a garden, right? The Garden of Eden. He formed this garden and then he put man in it and he's basically saying, hey, take the garden that I've made, take the animals that I've put in place and spread this organization, this purposing and this glorifying to make it beautiful all over the earth. And you get the picture, right, of that there's four rivers coming out of the Garden of Eden and, and that they would just spread out over the youth, earth using the rivers, which even... As early as the formation of our country, that's what they did, right? They followed the rivers uh, to, to form cities and to, 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 to find places to live and then to, to give purpose and beauty. So gardens just aren't, you know, my vegetable garden over here, my flower garden over there. The, the idea is that the trees and the plants, everything is, is to bring order and purpose and beauty to it, Right? So, so when we talk about filling then, just, let's just use, just for a second, 
the birds. God filled the air with birds. What does that mean? Well, let's think of a few birds here, shall we? Oh, right there. Okay, this is the, I think it's called the Taiwan magpie. Okay, it says, so it's in, in China, it's a magpie, and it, it's, it's a beautiful bird, right? It's a, it's a glorious bird. It's, it's showing off the, 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 the beauty of what it is. And magpies are just often just about beauty. You know, they do other things too, but it's a beautiful bird. Then you have, I've got to, when I'm talking about birds, I've got to throw in the, the Iowa goldfinch, right? Because it provides beauty. But not only, we, we realize finches, they take seeds and, they, and they, they eat them, but they also spread them, right? So part of, part of what the, the bird's function is, it's not just to be beautiful, it's also to be functional, to take the plants that are, and to spread the plants out there. So man isn't just spreading the plants, the birds are spreading the plants, and they both are fed, but they also fill and create beauty and purpose in the midst of everything, right? Um, since, uh, since I put the Iowa State bird, I have to, uh, to in reference, deference to my wife, I have to put the Minnesota State bird up there, right? The loon, right? What does the loon do? It, 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 it lives on lakes, it fishes in the water, you know, it mixes this idea of, you say, well, birds are just for the air. Well, not totally, right? We have ducks and we have, we have loons, right? They're beautiful birds, they have beautiful calls. They've, they fill the air not just with their flight, but with their calls, the, the sounds that they make. And so you, you get the idea that when God is filling the earth, He's giving it purpose, he's, he's giving it beauty, and he's giving it variety, and he's, he's giving it all of these things. Not, I have to talk about starlings for a second, right? They're murmurations, right? They, 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 they fly together. Now, when we talk about filling them, we're not talking about, when you think of filling the air with birds, there's not a bird in every single <laughs> section of the air, Right? If, if there were, we'd all be in trouble. But there's birds that, that function well, that fill the air, and, and not fill the air with maximum filling in the sense of quantity, but in the sense of beauty and function and functionality. And, and they do so many different things, right? So, so when we talk about filling, we're not talking about just like, okay, fill my cup up. It's full full to the brim, I'm full. What we're talking about is filling with function, filling with beauty, filling with, with understanding and with, okay, what is this bird, what is it made for, where do I need to put it, what habitat does it enjoy? And it has all of those things involved in it. Filling is much more like a home renovation project, right? Where you create this space and you're like, this space isn't functioning for me, Right? So I'm going to take my kitchen and I'm going to redo it so that it functions well. And not only does it function well for our family, but it's beautiful, right? And of course, the amount of function and amount of beauty you have to fill it is partially dependent on your budget, right? Like how much money do I have? But God isn't so concerned about money, right? Because he's got ultimate resources. He's not concerned with that. And he's thinking, okay, how do I provide creativity and beauty and order in the midst of the air, the sea? 
mean, we could talk about fish all day long too, couldn't we? You think about the stars. There's so many different ways God's filled his universe. So when we talk about filling, we're not talking about quantity as much as we're talking about function and order and beauty and glorifying things, making things inhabitable, enjoyable to live in. Then that matters then because when we you think about a home, that's what you're, when you talk about filling a home, that's what you're talking about, right? Now, the problem, obviously, is as human beings is when God put us and told us to fill the earth, instead of us filling the earth, we rejected God's rule. And then instead of us filling the earth with God's rule and beauty and order and perfection, we instead became full of other things, right? And then we start filling the earth with those things. Romans 1 summarizes it well. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Here's the metaphor again. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, right? So you get this picture of not that we sin, not that we're gossiping all the time every second of every day but we we functionally become gossips and we fill our world with gossip we fill it with envy we're always looking at our neighbor and like well i want their house or i want their toys or i want this right so we 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 fill up our world with those types of things and and so that's God, God is, that's not a home for God, right? That's not a, a home that God can live in and live among and be happy with. But just again, to use the home renovation project, for instance, right? You, you realize in heaven, we're not going to have bank accounts. Why? Because God's going to take care of our needs. We don't have to like save up money and be like, okay, God, in two years, I'm going to fix up my apartment in heaven here, um, you know, because I just don't have enough money yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, because he's, he's going to have a plan and he's going to be like, hey, if we want to, we're going to change something around, we can do it, right? Because we have God's resources. So, so in terms of, of, of filling, we, just to make this comparison, right, with a home renovation project, too often we're tied up in our money. We're tied up in, okay, I've got to save for this and I've got to put, put this in place and I've got to have this kind of bank account because the money I have is more important than the home I have. And so, we, so sometimes our home renovation projects are not about creating a home, creating joy and peace and purpose in the midst of our home, they're sometimes more about showing off to our neighbors the home we have, right? Or they're more about, uh, about I'm just going to do the minimum because I've got to keep as much money in my bank account as possible. And I'm not saying sometimes you don't need to make those choices. I'm, what I'm saying is when it comes to the church and it comes to our lives, God doesn't make those choices. It's not like he's sitting back going, well... There's not a whole lot I, uh, a lot I can do with Will. Um, I just got to save my money here. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that, that, I, that I just put in the minimum necessary to get him to heaven. And then after that, 
At least he can exist here. No, he's interested in, in filling us and, and working in us good things because he has infinite resources in time and, and resources. And he's doing so many different things, preparing us as a place where we can dwell with him forever. But too often, right, when we talk about f- we're full of these things, we look at our, our lives and we think, hmm, I don't have enough of God, but, so I'm going to fill it up with covetousness. I'm going to fill it up with, you know, like, just enjoying myself, selfishness. And we choose, we make all the wrong kinds of choices. So we have this tension, but this brings, us, brings me to point number two, which is what does it mean for Christ to fill all in all? What does it mean for Christ to fill us? Christ to fill everything in every, what does it mean? What's that phrase mean all in all? And I put it up here, let's see, there we go, sorry. There we go. Point number two is Christ fills. It's the idea of he's redeeming and, in a sense, re-glorifying the things that he's made. So there's a couple of verses to think about here that talk about Christ filling things. First of all, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 use the same kind of metaphor. And it says, for in him that is in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So you have this, again, fullness would be the, the overflow idea, right? You take a cup and overflow it, but it's, it's not just, it's just not quantity again. It's functionality, it's beauty, it's order. And it's like all of those qualities of God f- overflow out of Christ and who he is and what he does. But then he goes on to say this, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So it starts here primarily with rule and authority and saying, look, the, the ruler of you is no longer Satan or even yourself and what you can bring to the table. It's Christ who now rules everything. He has all resources, and he is coming and filling you up. <laughs> to what purpose? Well, Philippians 1 puts it this way, so that you may approve what is excellent. Again, Paul's pre- praying for the church here. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness which, which, that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. So Christ is filling us for the, to, to fill us up with, in a sense, with righteousness. He, he, it's again, Ephesians 2.10, right? He takes us from death to life. Why? So that we can walk in the good things that God wants us to do. Christ is giving, he's, he's working in us and ordering things and making things happen in order that we could be righteous in the way we interact with God and in the, in the way we interact with other people. What is that? How to, just, let me just use this illustration to talk about it because I think in some ways what you have to understand is that God is emptying us as well as filling us in order for this to happen, right? Because if we're full of sin, how can we be full of righteousness? And it talks about how God uh, Christ emptied himself, Philippians chapter 2, right? goes on to say, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So here we have not filling, but emptying. 
Christ is willing to, to not, not let all of his functionality be seen, not let all of, his, all of his desires be fulfilled right away. He's willing to empty himself. It doesn't mean he's not God, but he's, he's willing to not be recognized as God in order to do something for us, right? Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the, death, the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So here, again, we're back to the idea that he's above everything. He's in charge of everything. Why? Because he was willing to empty himself. It's just in line with, going back to Genesis, what happened in Genesis with Abraham, right? You remember the story before Abraham, right? It's the Tower of Babel. These, these people gathered together on a plane, and they're like, we're going to build this tower. And we were supposed to fill the earth, but we're not going to fill the earth. We're just going to gather together, make our own name for ourselves, and, and, and stay in our own little area right here. We're going to be concerned about what we're building and not what God wants us to build. And then, Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, leave your family, leave your home, Leave your culture and go to a land that I've prepared for you, right? He's emptying himself in a sense of his identity, of his family, of his home, of his culture, to go somewhere else that God's prepared for him. Christ is doing the exact same thing, right? Leaving his home, leaving his family, leaving his culture. Why? To do something for someone else. And, and so there's this idea of emptying that Christ does on our behalf, that Abraham did as well. Why is that important? Well, because as you get into the, this idea of, of emptying, and when, we, when you talk about what God's doing in the world, there's not, just, there's not just the ways God wants us to empty ourselves. There's also what you might say is shame. Shame comes in as, as the emptier, Right? You can, you can experience this, again, if you're doing a home renovation project. You get, you get that way in, and then you're like, oh, I might not be adequate to do my own home renovation, right? Or it's not going to turn out as pretty as my wife hoped it would be. Or, you know, we get that sense of inadequacy, that sense of, oh, it, it's not going to go the way I want it to go. And, and shame comes in and says, you're inadequate, you can't make it happen. You can't make your life be complete. You can, you're just you're empty, and it turns on in a sense the spigot underneath you, and it drains all of, all of you out of you, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, who am I? Am I going to have, am I going to leave a legacy? Am I, are people going to think well of me? Or, and all of these thoughts flood into your mind of ways that you aren't adequate, you probably don't measure up, you probably shouldn't show yourself in public even because you just aren't very good, you know what I mean? That's what shame does to us. And shame wants to take that emptying concept and take it all the way out rather than God coming and saying, empty yourself of sin, empty yourself of your own ideas of who you need to be and let me fill you. And in some ways, this is exactly why this concept brackets the church. Because when he's talking about filling and filling us, he's already talked about how Christ fills us up. And he's been doing it in Ephesians 1, verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, verse 7, verse 10. 
What are those things? He's filled us up with all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, right? We're chosen. We're adopted. He's filled us up because we're redeemed. He's filled us up because we know what God's plan is for the world. He's filled us up because he's giving us a destiny, inheritance that we get to, get to be a part of. He's filling us up because he's, he's sealing us, saying, you're mine. You're, I'm going to, with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you're not going to leave me. He's filled us up with all of those things. So when it said Christ fills us, the one who fills all in all, he's in a sense saying Christ is Christ is the ruler of everything, and he, he, he rules in every sphere, and he fills everything with purpose because, and meaning and order and, and glory because he is the one who created everything and who redeems everything. And he gives out the blessings that we have of being chosen and adopted. He fills up our lives. So that emptying feeling that happens, that needs to happen in order for us to be filled with Christ is at the same time a chance for Christ to fill us. When you feel inadequate, when you feel like, oh, I don't know how my life is going to go. I don't know if, I, if I'm going to leave the right kind of legacy. I don't know if I'm going to have the good enough friends or I'm not going to know if I'm going to look back at my life and, and, and be like, oh, that was good. You know why you can know that? Look to Christ. Christ fills everything in every way in that sense of he fills us, all of us, because he's in charge. He's at work. We're back to the gospel here. Christ takes our sin upon himself on the cross. And he pays for our sin. He dies in our place. And he, but then he not only takes that away from us, he fills us with who he is, his resurrection power, his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, his, his standing before his father in joy and peace. God, Christ gives us all of those things so that we're chosen just like ch Christ was chosen. We're adopted just like Christ was adopted. We're redeemed just like Christ was redeemed. All of those things that are true for Christ are, fill us as well. Not just because it happens, but because, as it says in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord be saved, you have to ask for it. It's a gift. Romans 6, 23 makes it clear. It's a gift of God. It's not like you have to do a bunch of good works or say, God, okay, you can fill me because I've, I've, I've turned over a new leaf and now you can fill me up. No, we have to admit our, <laughs> our sin, our failures. But when we do that, when we empty ourselves of our self-righteousness, we are filled with God's righteousness. And that is a gift from God, as Ephesians 2 says, right? Not of works, so that no one can boast. We're all in the same boat together. But Christ is filling his world to be a home for his Father. And therefore, he is filling us with forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. He's filling us. It's not, it's not like, okay, well, I don't sense it all the time. Well, that's part of the point, right, is sometimes you need to sense your need before you sense that forgiveness. But he's also using those, those even our failures, he's using to help us help others. Why? Because he redeems us. He's filling us. 
He's at work amongst us. This is not our life anymore. He has won the life that we can never win on our own at the cross. And so, this is what it means for Christ to fill all in all. But, but then he goes beyond that, in my opinion. It's an amazing statement, an amazing, I don't know how to put it, to say that the church is, which is his body, is the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's like saying that, that we who are just human beings, just weak, sinful, vague, or, you know, we get distracted way easily, right? We're the fullness. We express who Christ is. We accomplish what Christ wanted to accomplish. How is that possible? Well, let's look at it in point number three. Oh, there's there's the, those, those things that he fills us with, right? He fills us, we're the, we're the fullness because we overflow in accomplishing. There's this sense that that. God is at work amongst us, right? That, that we actually are accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm just going to go to the end, right? Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul is praying for the church, that, that again, they would recognize it. He preaches in Ephesians chapter 1. This is, in some ways, the end of that prayer in 123, that we would know what are the amazing things God is doing but he knows that's not enough in a sense. So he prays that we would make Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, that, that Christ would be at home. If Christ is making a home for his father, then he needs to be at home in our hearts. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How do we accomplish this, this fullness idea? By recognizing that God loves us. That, that exploring it in our lives. That, that saying, you know what? I get to enjoy in my weakness, in my failures, in my, in my questions, in my confusion. I get to, get to explore this knowing God loves me knowing it as, as something that's grounded in eternity past and goes all the way to eternity future, knowing that it's grounded in Christ's death on the cross for me, knowing that it's not grounded in myself, it's grounded in him and who he is and what he's trying to accomplish. God loves you. And when you grasp that, when you not only grasp it, but seek to live it out, God fills you. God uses you. Now, he bookends it this way, and in the middle, which we don't have time to talk about now, we'll talk over the next couple of weeks, he talks about this space that God created, this new man. He says, it's not good enough that you got Jews over here and Gentiles over there, and they're always arguing about who knows me better and, and what the world's all about. He's like, I'm going to form this new space going to be called the church. I'm going to fill it with people who realize that it's about my grace and mercy in their lives. So it's not about what nation you're from and what family you're from and what culture you have. It's about the mercy and grace shown to you in Christ. 
And he's talking about, and, and I not only want you to recognize that truth, but I want you to recognize the riches of that truth. And he goes into Ephesians chapter 3. Again, I don't, I'm just like giving you a touch. Like, okay, here's a, here's a teaser. Got to come back the next two weeks, okay? But, but the point is, is that God is, in a sense, he's saying, you want to you experience this fullness, you, you got to just understand who you are and how much I love you and what together you're going to accomplish in the world just by being together and just by living out my love for you. And so he also emphasizes two other things. He emphasizes prayer, the access we have to God. You know, one of the greatest ways you can be fullness is just pray. Just be in prayer for your neighbors, your family, your country, your world. Why? Because it's not our work. Christ is filling us. Christ is at work. And so he's creating this space and letting us be the fullness of, of what he's accomplishing in the world so just a couple of questions to maybe help you think this through. Or just The first question is, what, what are you filled with? What are you filled with? Do, do, you, do you know God? Do, do you know he loves you? Do you know he loves you in Jesus Christ? Like, it's, you know, sometimes we just stop with, well, I know God loves. God loves everybody, right? Well, God loves us in Jesus Christ by paying for our sin (laughs) because he doesn't, he hates our sin. He's angry when we ignore him, when we abuse his love. But in Jesus Christ, he loves us and he extends to us forgiveness and mercy at the cross. Is that your life or is something else your life? Are you filled with, well, this is what I'm going to accomplish with my life. This is my legacy. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to have. I'm going to have this house, and I'm going to have this family. I'm going to have this kind of kids, and I'm going to do this with my life, and I'm going to have this kind of legacy, and this is me. You're filled with you. Which one is it? One filling ends in death. One filling is eternal life. And it starts with recognizing that Jesus is on the throne, that he paid the price, and he deserves to rule. Which one is it? The second question is, what is emptying you? I get it. There's a lot of voices out there. They're saying, you're inadequate. You should stop being you. You should stop this. You should stop that. And they're just trying to empty you out, in a sense. But there's only one voice that should empty you, and that should refill you, and that's Christ's. So who are you listening to? Do you know God's voice when he speaks to you? Because God can speak some pretty strong language to you sometimes, like, you need to change, buddy, you know. This is not headed the right direction. He can do that. But it's a voice of hope. It's a voice of love. It's a voice of mercy and grace at the cross. Not a voice that says, you have no hope. 
You have no forgiveness unless you do X. You have no mercy unless you perform. There's two different kinds of voices out there. So which one is emptying you and refilling you? Which one is it? My prayer for you, my plea to you, is that you might be filled with Christ. That you might be emptied of everything else and might find joy and fullness in Christ. That you might listen to his voice. I get it. There's a lot of voices out there. There's social media, there's the news, there's your friends, there's, there's your parents sometimes. They've said a lot of different things to you. Will you listen to Christ? Will you hear his love? He died for you. He rose again to rescue you from sin and death. Will you listen to that? Will you cling to that? And the last, last question is, do you recognize the fullness of Christ in you? Again, God is accomplishing something simply by rescuing you from sin and death and having you praise him because of it. You're like, but I, I, I know I mess up sometimes. I know I need to do better with my kids. I need to know I need to do better at work. I need to do better with my neighbors. Okay, I get that. I'm there too. But do you realize that God's love rules your life? That he is at work in the midst of your failures, in the midst of your questions, in the midst of your inadequacies. And he wants to use you in the midst of those things because it's not about your inadequacy. It's about his fullness. He is God and there is no God like him. He can take birds and make loons, which look kind of ugly, and make them beautiful in their place. Right? If he can do that, he can take you. And all of your inadequacy, and all of your weakness, and all of your struggles, and all of your, like, oh, I failed over here, and what am I going to do over there? And all of those things, he can still reign, and he can still do good because Christ is God. <laughs> Do you recognize that? Will you trust that? Will you walk in that? When you renovate your house, right? You renovate a room. There's two temptations you have. One is to clutter it up too much, right? Some of us are more like this hold on to things we 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 put too many things <laughs> and then when we get there and we're like oh it's done we're like it's never quite done why because we've cluttered it up too much we put too many things we try to fill it with too many things you're like hey come over sit in my living room and yeah, check out my tv and check out this and check out that and see the beauty over and like they're like whoa too much too much you know some of us are clutterers. And we just need to step back and not focus so much on all of the things as much as on the grace and mercy of Christ. Some of us 
and I'm probably more like this, or like, it's got a chair, it's got a TV, it's good. And my wife's like, no, it's not good. It needs a few more things. It needs some beauty. It needs some function. Some of us don't fill things. We're, we're like, we're emptiers <laughs> rather than let's, let's enjoy this. Let's bring beauty to, to bear. And we can do that simply by noticing what God is doing in other people. You should, as you interact with people, you should be like, man, look, God's doing some good things. I, I'm just noticing that you're, you're, this is going on and this is going on. I'm praising God for those things. You don't have to clutter it up with, okay, you should do this now and you should do that now. No, no, just, just be a filler. Just be a, look what God's doing over here. Because Christ is the one that's filling. You're just noticing the fullness. And you say, well, it's not done yet. They got this, this, and this. I can see the problems in their life. I think Christ knows better than you what the problems are they have in their lives, right? So just notice the fullness. Don't clutter it up. But just notice the fullness of what God is doing in other people. Why? Because God's got this. That's the biggest thing you can take away from this. God has got this. He is at work in our lives, filling us, using us, and using us to be the fullness of his body, who fills all out. Be like, I don't, even, what God, I don't know what God's doing in the world with our country or the other countries, the news. You know what? I do know God is accomplishing what he wants to accomplish through his people. And we just need to step back and listen to him and follow him. And as we do that, God will reign. He will win. He's got this. So, next time you read Ephesians 1.23, and it says, Christ, the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I hope you realize God has picked you to have function and purpose in his world to bring joy and peace and a sense of dwelling to his father forever. You're not there yet, <laughs> but he's not done yet. And we can trust in his plan. We can trust in his grace. We can trust in his love. Will you do that? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are the church. Not that we're something special or that we have it all together or that we are adequate for these things. We look at a world that is dying and falling apart and we say, God, you can use us to do something about this, but you are and you will. And we don't know exactly what you have planned, but we do know that we are a part of it. So help us not to listen to the voices that say we're inadequate, we're failures, we're useless, but to listen to the voice that says you are chosen, you are adopted, you are redeemed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we don't know exactly what we will be, as 1 John says, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. 
oh, the home renovation project you are in the process of accomplishing. And oh, that, for that day to come when it is fully accomplished. But in the meantime, Lord, may we rejoice that we are a part of that process and that one day you will bring it to completion. Christ has won the victory and he fills all in all. Thank you for that in your son's name.